Romans, guys. Romans 12, verses 9 to 21. And if you allow me, I'll read it through. And then we'll come back and, and talk something about it. Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Isn't it amazing, our beautiful worship team? Oh, man. I'm so blessed and so touched to know that they're kids that grew up here at Calvary Chapel Online and to see them as, as beautiful adults serving the Lord. It's, it's a spectacular thing. So Romans 12, verses 9 through 21, guys. In Jesus' name, this is what it says, guys. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lacking in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with Good. Amen? I don't normally do this, and this is about the third time I say this, but I actually titled the, the study. It's The Christian Walk, How Should We Be Living? i got a question for you guys. It's, it's a question that comes to mind because my dad, my sweet dad, my pops, had a bunch of sayings, and one of them was this. How do you recognize a duck? How do you recognize a duck, guys? Well, if it waddles like a duck, if it swims like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, and if it looks like a duck, then of course, what is it? A duck. A duck. There's another one that my, uh, an old uncle of mine, his name was Marco Antonio, my namesake, my dad, my mom named him after him. He was a funny guy. He would get us together in Mexico, and he'd give us riddles. And one day he looks at me and he says, Mijo, you look pretty bright. He was being generous, right? He says, I'm going to describe a fruit, and you need to tell me what it is. I said, okay, okay. He says, um, yeah, it's got crinkly skin on the outside like an avocado. It's green on the inside like an avocado. And guess what? It has a big old brown seed in the middle like an avocado. What is it? And I looked at him with bright eyes and I said, an avocado? 
He goes, man, that's why I love you so much, mijo. You have common sense, <laughs> right? So having said that, how do we recognize a Christian? Right? If we've read John 13, 35, we know. Right? How do you recognize a disciple of Christ? By the love they have one for another. And that's basically what the study is going to be about today. I know Pastor Manny gave us a great Valentine's Day study a couple of weeks ago on true love. But honestly, if we read through the Bible, what permeates the pages? Love. You can't get away from it. But we need to see how we live that love as Christians, as people of this earth, okay? So I basically divided my study into three sections, which surprised me. I normally just spew out and out and out, and there it goes. Verses 9 to 13 is how to love those within the body of Christ, those who believe, okay? Verse 14, loving your enemies. And verses 15 to 21, that challenging type of love, the love that challenges you. Okay, guys, so you might be sitting there, and you're thinking, Mark, in the big scheme of things, in the position that this world is in presently, in this present darkness, isn't there something more relevant, something more pertinent you could teach on, something more impactful, some more, something more spectacular? After all, things are pretty crucial right now, right? Things are pretty urgent. If you're thinking that, then I would probably think, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, guys. What is it that disperses darkness? Isn't it light? It's light, right? Light, of course. So then shouldn't we learn to walk in that light and be as that light, guys? We need to be reflectors of that light, guys. We really do. We need to set our church ablaze, our families ablaze, um, this town, this country, the whole world's got to be ablaze with the light and love of Jesus Christ. Do we agree? Yes. Amen. Amen, right? Yes. It sounds like pretty dramatic stuff, I know, but you guys are right in thinking that we're living in pressing times. We are. We are. So then why are we going to the fundamentals again? I'll tell you why, guys. We need to go back down to the basics because that's what changes lives. That is what changes lives. That's what gives us something to stand on. That's what's foundational. We can get real fancy and, and think about things like speaking in tongues and healings and prophecy. But basically, what makes us shine as Christians is knowing the fundamentals and allowing the Lord to reside in our hearts. Amen? It's foundational. If you guys were to ask LeBron James, if you guys were to ask uh, Tom Brady, or maybe even Clinton Kershaw or Mookie Betts, what wins championships? What would you guys think they would say? Teamwork. They would say teamwork. They would say the basics, the fundamentals. Okay, that's what gets them through the tough times. That's what makes them win championships. But for us, more importantly, guys, 
the fundamentals are what get us through, okay? By knowing them, by knowing and living the basic fundamentals taught in God's word, will make the difference necessary. Okay, guys? It's not about your personality. It's not about my personality. It's about reflecting Jesus. Okay, guys? Some of us are, are born talented. It's an innate thing. We have a great personality. We have good looks. We're funny. And then there's those of us that aren't so blessed in that manner, right? But if we know the fundamentals, guys, that's going to be enough. That's going to be the difference necessary to start a revival within each other's hearts, guys. If we represent Christ, we will reflect our King Jesus and we will touch lives. The fundamentals, the basics, okay? If we read the epistles, we'll find out that Paul was convinced of this who, by the way, is the person who wrote Romans. Okay? He was convinced that the fundamentals is what gets us through. And it seemed as though whether it was to the church of Philippi, to the church of Ephesus, or to Rome here, throughout all his letters, he always fell back on that great truth. What's he want? What did he pray for? Basically paraphrasing for us to know Christ Jesus and the Father and his truth more profoundly. If you think about it, guys, as pastors, as overseers, as leaders of the church, there's nothing that we could wish that would be greater for you than for you to know Jesus Christ and the Lord, our Father, more profoundly. That's what changes lives. It's not so much what I can say up here or what any other pastor can say up here. It's knowing Jesus. It's knowing God's will for our lives. It's knowing how much he loves us. Amen? If you guys want, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. And this is an example of, of, of Paul's prayer. And you'll find something similar in all his epistles. Okay? I should have earmarked it, but you guys are patient, right? I found it. In Ephesians 1, 15 to 17, this is Paul speaking to a church he loved dearly. And this is his desire for their lives. Okay, it says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, listen to this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of what? Him. Paul's greatest desire is for us to know Him. God's greatest desire is for us to know Him. As pastors of Calvary Chapel Almani, our greatest desire is for all of us to get to know Jesus in an intimate way, in a real way. So it'll go beyond religion. So it'll go beyond that Sunday fulfillment of going to church. So it'll be Jesus residing in our lives wherever we go, whatever we do. You guys understand that? The Lord is so good, man. That's so good. 
So the more we know him, the more we become able to live this Christian life, guys. Because it's not easy, right? Being a Christian is not for cowards. And there'll be those pastors who will say, oh, don't call yourself a Christian. Call yourself a disciple of Christ. Call yourself a follower, but don't call yourself a, a Christian. That, to me, is a cop-out. If you're following Jesus Christ, our Savior, what are you? Christian. Let's not get funny about it. Let's strive to do it better. Right? Let's work out our, our salvation in fear and trembling. But let's not shy away from what we are and who we are. Right? We're children of God. Jesus told us, he says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. This is in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, by the way. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that you may see your good, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We forget that that's not just a Sunday school rhyme or song, right? Because the more the Father is glorified by our lives, the more people will want to know him. Right? We, we should be walking billboards. And by that, I don't mean stand on the corner and wear a sandwich board. You know, Christ has come and repent. That's cool. That's that man's ministry. Beautiful. But we need to be walking, talking billboards all the time. Our lives should reflect the Lord, and that should give glory to the Father. Amen? So thankful for the Lord. But I need you guys to remember one thing, okay? That living like this, that's not what allows us to attain our salvation. Right? We understand that. Living like that doesn't allow us to attain our salvation. It's from a different point of view. It's a result of our salvation to be able to live like that. It's a reflection of our new life in Jesus. Okay? It's the proof, proof in the pudding, okay? So we need to know that having repented of our sins and having accepted his gift of forgiveness and him as Lord and life eternal in his presence, that's what gains our salvation. His gift to us. It's not the fact that we're living good lives, it's the fact that he's given us the ability to live good lives, okay? It's about our gratitude, guys. That's how we should live. We should live out our gratitude. It's about second chances and not taking them for granted. Have you ever been just going through your daily life and living, then all of a sudden you think, whoa, whoa, Am I giving Christ honor in the way I live? Or have you forgotten for a second? Well, let's pray that it's only a second, guys. Let's pray that it's only a second. Always be filled with the Holy Spirit. Always be in the scriptures. Always be able to represent. Right? I, I, I'm always checking because I have around eight shirts. They say Cabbage Chapel Almani on them. So wherever I go, if something comes out of my mouth that isn't in accordance with the Lord's will... I kind of look, oh my goodness. Thankfully, it doesn't happen too often, right? I got a billboard on my back that says, you know, Christ is Lord. I got a billboard on my back that says, salvation is through grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
But am I living in that manner? Yeah, we need to understand that, guys. We need to do it right. Because it, it should be all about our gratitude. It should be all about second chances and not taking them for granted. It's about being so in love with Jesus, guys, that our lives and love reflect it. Okay? Not just within ourselves. It should spill over. We should be walking, talking, filled with joy all the time. Okay, guys? Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesians again. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So when do the works come? After we're creating God in Christ Jesus, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right? Now that we're in Jesus, now that he is preparing us, now we should be able to live in a way that gives him honor. Okay, guys, that's just the introduction. Okay, guys, let's go to Romans 12. As we go through this, hopefully it, it'll edify our lives. It'll, it'll make us understand that, that love, as Pastor Manny taught us a few weeks ago, or a couple of weeks ago, isn't just a noun, it's a verb, right? Verse 9, it says as follows. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Okay, guys. So love needs to be without hypocrisy. I know there's no real need to explain what hypocrisy is, but let me do it for the benefit of the doubt. Okay, guys? Uh, we all know that hypocrisy, we know what it is. It's pretending to be one way on the outside. Okay, guys? And truly, truly being a totally different way on the inside. Okay? It's wearing a mask to try and hide our true intentions. And by the way, that's what bothers me about talking to a crowd who has masks on their face. I can't see if you're smiling, smirking, or frowning. It's, it's I, I imagine the smile. I'm looking at Mercedes, she's smiling because she's got her mask off, so I imagine all of you like that. Thank you, sister. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's a masquerade, guys. It's a wearing a mask to try and hide our true intentions. It's quite literally selfishness and hate masquerading as love or charity. Okay, guys? All with the purpose, guys, of gaining our own desire or agenda. That's what hypocrisy is. Or for the sake of false tolerance instead of true love. Let me explain that. How many of us are actually only tolerating each other and we forsake true agape love, right? What's that word agape? It's that fancy Greek word, right? It means genuine, sacrificial, giving love, a love that decides to love. Okay, guys, do we just tolerate each other or do we love each other? We need to think about that. We can't be hypocrites anymore. How many of us truly decide to love, guys? Instead of waiting for a sentiment or a pleasant situation to convince us of love, how many of us actually decide to love? I was really surprised as a, as a young Christian 
by some people that I didn't think even loved me. <laughs> I thought, man, they, I don't know. I, I don't think I hit it off with them. Um, it happened about, it'll be 25 years ago in, no, it'll, it's about 24 years now, 25 years now. Uh, my son, Randy, was in Mama's tummy still. Okay. There was also another Randy or Randette in there with him. Okay. But at four months, um, my wife started spotting. And instead of two heartbeats, it went down to one. And I'm thankful I got my Randy. After five months of bed rest, literally, he came to us and the Lord blessed us. But we lost the other child, who I'm sure we'll see in heaven someday. But I saw love in action. You know, I, I came home. My wife was sitting in bed, and there was a sister there who I truly did not expect to see there, crying and praying with her. See, that, that's love in action. It goes beyond just that polite toleration. And from a person that I didn't expect it from. All those that I expected from, for one reason or other, were not there. But that sister was there with my, my wife, praying and crying. That's God's love. That's love without a masquerade, without a mask, without hypocrisy. Second part of the verse says, to abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. You guys see how that's almost in one breath that he says that? The only thing that separates it is the period. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Because Paul wanted us to understand that we couldn't have one without the other. Okay? Abhor what is evil. What's that telling us about evil? Detest it utterly. May it make us sick to our stomach, guys. May it disgust us. Have nothing to do with it, guys. May it be an abomination to us. Run from it. Get as far from it as possible. You guys ever seen anything that grosses you out? I'm just grosses you out. In the Spanish vernacular... I've heard women say when they see something that just totally grosses them out, guacatela, right? It's like saying gross, yuck, in child's terms. That's what evil should do to us. It should make us turn up our nose and go the other way, right? That's what a bore evil means. We need to be aware of its effects and the consequences it has on our lives, guys. It'll rot our hearts and make us bitter, unfortunate people. So what do we do? We need to hate it. You guys didn't know that was in the Bible, huh? Hate it! We need to hate evil and get rid of it. And what comes in conjunction with that? Hold on to what is good. Really hold on to what is good. Cleave to it. That means grab it like this and hold on. Okay? for dear life. It's got to become a part of our essence, guys, of who we are internally, not just from the outside, not just from the lips out, but it needs to reside in, reside in us. And how do we do that? By allowing the Holy Spirit to reside in us, by asking for the Holy Spirit each and every day, as it says in, 
in Ephesians 5, I think it's 18. I might have the verse wrong, but I know it's chapter 5. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. We need to be kind and gentle. We need to be friendly, and we need to be good intentionally. Okay, think about it. Do the right thing. It needs to be our first response, and it needs to be what resides in our heart. Because Jesus told us, out of the fullness of our heart, our mouth speaks, right? Jesus taught us that in Matthew 12, 34. And whatever your first response is, usually that reflects who you really are. How do you handle the situation? How do you direct and address a person? So abhor what is evil and really, really hold on to what is good. Verse 10, guys. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I read two verses, but we'll go over the just ten. Here, the word affectionate, guys, I'm, I'm going to get all scholastic here. I don't usually do this, but in the Greek, the word here for affection is philostorgos. Okay, philostorgos, which translated means the cherishing or loving of one's kindred. Kindred is family, guys. To be fond of them, to like them, be nice to them. In other words, in other words, be nice to them. It's a compound word which takes into consideration both phileo and storge. How many of you guys study Greek? Or how many of you have been for Pastor Manny's teachings? Phileo has to do with brotherly love, love of friends, right? And storge means love of family. That's how we should love each other, right? Love each other in this way. In the Proverbs, it says that there is a friend that is closer than a brother, okay? That's what it's talking about. That's how I love you guys. That's how I want you to love me in that manner. So what Paul is saying about being affectionately and loving to, to, your, to your brothers, he's saying, don't just love out of commitment, okay? How many of you guys say, oh, I love you in Christ's love? I love you as God teaches me to love. And what do you actually mean? You're usually talking to someone you don't like too much, and you're making an excuse for loving him. Don't make an excuse for loving him. Love him. Love out of kindness, sweetly and affectionately. Okay, guys? Don't just say, I love you in the love of God because you know what it means and you feel obligated, but love each other dearly. Okay, guys? Love each other dearly. Uh, maybe you might say that's a tough one, and I agree, it is a tough one. I mean, there are some folks that kind of just, it's like two sticks rubbing together, right? There's friction, but we need to get beyond that. We need to get beyond that. If we, st if we stay there, we're not loving completely. Okay? And nevertheless, Paul is, that's what Paul's teaching here. Especially referring to those within the family of Christ. The world needs to see the difference. He need, they need to see uh, John 13, 35 in our lives, right? They have to see that. We need to put other people's needs before our own. 
seeing others as more important than ourselves, lifting them up before ourselves. That means when Sister Anna is walking down the aisle going to her favorite chair, you don't sit in her chair. You say, oh, Sister, oh, you know, I was saving this for you. Okay? When a, when a new person comes in the door, greet them joyfully. Don't leave it to just the ushers to do, right? They need to see that in all of us. Verse 11. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Okay, diligence. Okay, guys. That means with eagerness, guys. With eagerness. Not lacking in enthusiasm. Be excited about serving your family and God, guys. It's an honor. It's a privilege. That's why the Lord put in my heart to become an usher. And just as a side note, we need some ushers, guys. Come on out. Okay? You'll be able to serve the Lord and serve people and be blessed at the same time. Be excited about serving your family in Christ and serving the Lord. Get pumped up, okay, guys? Because it, it is the biggest privilege in the world. Do everything as unto God with a lot of desire. You guys know what the word desire means? With umph, with passion, with desire. How, how does that affect your attitude in everyday life? when you know you're doing things unto the Lord, when you're doing it with desire. Let me give you an example. There's a group of brothers and sisters in here that, that usually take their family vacations with us, and it's been such a blessing, such an amazing thing. A few years ago, um, we went up to Mammoth, and this time my daughter and her boyfriend and kids came also, okay, and we had just got back from a hike around Lake George. We get to the car, and Jerry's car has a flat, right? And there was three brothers with me. John, I think, was with us. I'm not positive. But I know Sergio and Peter were with me. These are lovely brothers, guys. Before I knew it, they had jacked up the car, taken off the tire, and put on the spare. I mean, it was like a pit crew. <laughs> a joyful, Christ-loving pit crew. And my hope future son-in-law was just staring in amazement. These guys knew what it was to love affectionately and truly and serve in the Lord's name. These guys, they didn't say, Mark, where's the jack? They opened the trunk, they looked, and bam! I mean, it was an amazing thing to watch. And they were smiling the whole time. And I, I, was, I was just blessed, and I know my daughter was blessed. As a matter of fact, because of brothers like this, um, I know my daughter's life is changing. Uh, she said, yeah. She was talking to my oldest son, James. 
about these people. And they're the people who had gone on vacation with us, these men and all their wives and their kids. And I'm, I'm getting long on the story, but um, she says, yeah, these guys are so cool. And she was just talking about them and saying different things. And my son James looks at her and he says, I thought you didn't like church people. You said they were weird. She goes, but not these. And I was so blessed and so privileged to know that the Lord Christ was revealing himself through some humble servants. Amen? Serve with diligence. It affects your attitude. Verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So what hope should we be rejoicing in that would help us to be patient in tribulation, guys? What's that hope they're talking about? It's this. The fact that we have something to look forward to, guys. Being Christian doesn't stop here. It's not something we practice here on earth. It's what we are and what we become and will be forever. The fact that Jesus is coming for his church, whether we be dead or alive. The fact that we will have eternal life with him in resurrected bodies. Think about that, guys. That should give hope to anybody. In 1 Peter 1, 3-5, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope, underline hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance, underline inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, reserved in heaven, underline reserved, who are kept by the power of God through the faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So is our hope real? It's a living hope. We've got reservations. We don't need to call ahead. Someone's done that for us. Okay, guys? Understand that. Okay, guys? So, so through all this, we need to maintain our focus and increase, increase our communion and fellowship with God by what? Constant and consistent prayer. Always going forward, guys. Always. Patiently and assuredly. Always speaking to our Father, guys, in heaven for guidance, strength, and, rejuve and rejuvenating our spirit by His. We cannot afford to get lackadaisical or complacent. Our service to God and his people depends on it. So we need to be praying all the time, guys. All the time. And praying shouldn't be a, a, a chore. It should be a privilege, an honor. I, w I wish I was better at it, more consistent at it, more passionate about it. Our Christian life, our testimony... The life of our loved ones depends on how much we pray, how much we lift them up, how much we get together with the Father and say, Father, I have your people. I need to talk to them. What should I say? How can I direct myself to them? How can I represent you? That all comes through prayer. Consistent, guys. Consistent. Going forward. Always in prayer. So our service to God and his people, it really depends on how much we pray. Verse 13, guys, it says, Distributing to the needs of the saints 
given to hospitality. Okay, guys, we need to understand this. Our love towards God and our family, it needs to be more than just lip service, right? It's easy for us to say, I love you. That's only three words. I love you. Three words. (laughs) It's too easy. It's too easy. Don't keep from saying it, but it's got to be more than lip service. My question to, to you is this. We say we love, but do we do love? You guys understand what that is? To love is a verb. It's an action. It's, it's a word followed by commitment to do something. Right? Amen? Okay. So my question is, do we extend a hand... Guys, do we extend a hand like those men did that one day? Do we lend a shoulder? You guys know what I'm saying by lending a shoulder? To help carry someone's burdens. To have someone cry on it. To be the strength when they are weak. There are certain men in here that I, I can lean on, and I depend on that. Because Christians are not lone rangers, man. We need each other. We need that warmth. We need that strength from our brothers. So do we help carry our brothers and sisters' burden, guys? In James 2, verses 15 to 16, it says, Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? That's out of the New Living Translation, guys. What good does it do to say love and I love and don't, not follow it through with actions, not follow it through with real affection? The second part of that verse talks about giving to hospitality. Man, I love that word hospitality. That's actually really dear and near to my heart. That's the exact example I saw of Christian love in action here at Calvary Chapel of Monty, guys. That's what I saw when I came in. Hospitality. It's what made me think before the Lord, thank you, Lord, for bringing me to my home. And until you move me, I'm not moving, Lord. Because I saw the love There are certain people in this congregation that were here prior to all of us. And when I see them, I think Calvary Chapel Almani. I think of the love that was bestowed upon me. God's love, Christ's love through loving Christian brothers and sisters. I came in here on a Wednesday night to fellowship with a man. There was only like six or seven in in the fellowship group. We were in a little circle. Those guys made me feel like I had been here for eight years. They loved on me. They allowed me to share my my thoughts, which might have been mistaken at the time, but I shared, and they were patient enough to love me, even though. And I pray that that continues to be the essence of Calvary Chapel Almani, that people can see Christ through us, his love, his hospitality. His amiability and his love. 
I can't see what time it is. Um, we need to show ourselves welcoming and inviting to everyone who crosses those thresholds, guys. Not only of this building, but more importantly of our own homes and ultimately of our hearts. We have to have room and be accommodating, have hearts that are big enough for everyone. I, there was something real cool that, that John Corson said, and it describes the difference between entertainment and hospitality. To paraphrase what he said, you see, there is a difference between entertaining and hospitality. Entertaining says, I will let you in, and I will have you over when things are in order in my house, when my heart and my house look the part, when I have all the Pinterest styles and the knickknacks looking good, when I have that perfect den for entertaining and that surround sound ready. That's entertaining. Okay? But hospitality says, I don't have much, but what I do have is yours. My heart and home both have enough room to accommodate you and your burdened heart. Come on in, my friend. Mi casa es tu casa. Okay, guys, that's hospitality, and we need to practice it. Verse 14, I need to hurry. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. This is a tough one. Don't you think? Really, Jesus? I, ha I have to do this? Yeah. It's probably the toughest thing. How do we put up with those who we don't like? or who don't, don't like us, let alone those who despise and want to persecute us. Okay, how do we do that? You know, and by persecute, I'm not talking about those who talk smack about us. Because eventually it's going to go beyond that. They're not, they're going to physically persecute us. And that's what we need to understand about the book of Romans. Paul's talking to a church thing yet right so if someone doesn't smile at you when you walk into church or that one brother that you've loved for so long kind of just went by you don't get all hurt that's not persecution okay love them anyway because jesus says love your enemies you know i'm gonna have to skip a lot of stuff but it's not an innate quality guys it's not something we're born with. We have to acquire it from learning God's will through his word. And we, need to know, we need to know his will for humanity. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to read his holy scriptures all the time. So we know he loves sinners, of which we all are, right? Had it not been for his grace and mercy. And we need to love those who despise us.
we need to understand that, that, that his will is for all to have an opportunity to turn from sin and come into the kingdom. Right? How many of us disqualify certain people with our attitudes? Right? Oh, dude, Republican. Guys, Democrat. Oh, man, please get off the political kicks, guys, and follow our Lord and Savior. Okay? We need to love those who despise us, guys, because as far as Jesus is concerned, he sees all of us as candidates for the kingdom of God. We can't be the stumbling blocks for those people. Okay, guys? The last last section speaks of that love that is challenging. Verses 15 to 21. Okay, guys? It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Sometimes that's a chore, okay? Honestly, if, if, if I see Peter coming in the work, coming to church, and he's got a brand new truck, 2021 Chevy Silverado, four-wheel drive, how many of you guys are going to rejoice? And how many of you guys are going to say, that should be my truck? Right? That's not what it's talking about. We need to be happy for people. Um, Pastor Manning has said it from the pulpit, and it's, it captures my, my sentiment and my frame of mind. He loves those who love him. He loves those who love his. When you guys can look at my son, Randy, and say, man, such a good young man, I'll have to agree with you because <laughs> I'm blessed. But the fact that you love him Oh, it's so amazing to me. The fact that you guys treat my wife as though she were a princess. Oh, my Lord. That makes me rejoice, and you're rejoicing with me. But there's the other side of the, the coin. Weep with those who weep. This, this verse teaches me what true empathy, true compassion is. It teaches me that people that can walk in your shoes... And be there, that's a beautiful thing. To me, it's one of the most amazing Christian sentiments that exist. And if you're that close to me that you know me well, you know that this, this verse is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. That you can be happy when my little grandson wins the Little League World Series, and you can be sad when you know that one of my kids is sick. And you're actually there with me. That's an amazing thing. And that's something we all need to practice. Okay, guys? That's something we all need to practice. Verse 16, be the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So I'm going to ask you guys something. What's your stature in Christ? How big or small are you? Let me read a a verse that will help you understand. Out of Galatians 3.28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for all are what? 
one in Christ Jesus. So knowing this is the key to not having a condescending attitude towards other people. You know what condescending means? Looking down, speaking down to other people. Don't think you're all that because you're not. Okay, guys? I'm not. We are not high society. We're not blue buds. We're not of high pedigree. Right? Look at, look, look at yourself in the mirror. Hmm. I look at myself and I see this tallish Mexican guy who's a mix of indigenous people, of Spanish, of, and I'm not that smart. So we're, who am I to look down at anybody? Who are you to look down at anybody? Don't have a higher concept of yourself than you should. Okay, guys? We shouldn't. We shouldn't. And don't prescribe to being overly sophisticated. We're not that bright. We're not that sophisticated. Okay, so, and, and understand that love is a mutual thing. It should be reciprocating. The golden rule is what? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Verse 17, repay no evil for evil. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Uh, there's a couple of good sayings that my dad taught me. He, had, he was full of sayings that, that would help bring this point across. He, said, he used to say, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. What goes around comes around. You guys understand that? Okay. But in the case of evil guys, we can't have that attitude. We don't want that to come around to anybody. Okay. In the case of evil, we can't have that negative attitude. We would just be proliferating. You guys know what that means? Making it multiply. We'd be proliferating evil and making sin and hatred grow. It's a lesson in futility and fosters so much evil and hatred in our lives that eventually leads to death, both of spirit and of soul, guys. Instead, be liberated and forgive evil done unto you, guys. We should have regard for that which builds up instead of tearing down. Okay? In Ephesians 4, uh, 31 and 32, it says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be what? Kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Unforgiveness and evil, guys, you know what it does? It grieves the Lord's spirit within us. And it stifles our growth as sons and daughters of God. Stifles is not a real common word. You guys know what it means? Stifles? It bogs down our growth as Christians. It makes us be almost deformed as Christians. When we should be at this height, we're still down here. Right? Because we've let evil take over. You've let hatred take over. We can't do that. We can't do that. We need to I know it's hard. We need to forgive and forget. Because unforgiveness and evil does grieve the Lord's spirit within us. You might be thinking, well, Mark, you, don't, you haven't been through what I've been through. I've been through a lot, as you have. I've had some evil people in my life. And at the moment, I'm going to be honest, it's hard. You can at the moment. You have to ask God for, for strength and, and the ability to do it. 
Um, if there's an immediate need and someone's messing with your family, jump into action. Protect them. I know if you mess with, with us, uh, Mama Bear is going to be all over you. Okay? But both she and I will think we need to forgive. That's the Lord's way. What did Jesus say from the cross? Forgive them, Lord, for they don't know what they do. You got to remember the story of Paul and Silas being imprisoned unjustly, being beaten unjustly, down in the Philippian dungeon, singing praises and hymns? What happened? Chains fell off. That's what we need to have in our lives. When we hate someone, we need to have the chains fall off. Okay? You remember what happened immediately? The Philippian guard saw what had happened, okay? And he was going to kill himself. He was going to stab himself because he had failed his duty and he knew he was going to be killed anyway. What did Paul say? Wait, wait, let me help you. No, he didn't. He said, stop, we're all here. And not only did he save his life, he saved his soul because he led him to Christ. How many of us are willing to do that to one who has hated us? Difficult thing, guys. But pray on it. We need to do that. Okay. Verse 18 says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I'm glad there's that clause right there, right? If it is possible. <laughs> okay? As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. The question is, though, how much does it depend on you? It's saying you take the first step. Get along with that person. You might be more enlightened than that person, especially if you say you know Jesus. If you're dealing with someone who's non-believer, right, and you're having trouble getting along with them, who does the burden of, uh, and weight fall on to do things right? That person that has Jesus in their, in their hearts and in their lives. So when you say, oh, I did my best, really, did you? Did you let Jesus shine through, or did you get for that person where it was just tit for tat, you do what I do, and that's it? No, we can't have that. We can't have that. We have to have Christ reflect in our lives. Okay, guys? Verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will replace as the Lord. Basically saying, don't retaliate, don't punish what would that lead to, guys? You guys ever heard of the battle between the, the McCoys and the, what was the other one? Hatfields? It never ended. It never ended. And you know what happens when we try to retaliate and, and, and avenge ourselves? We become judge, jury, and executioner. And the truth is, we don't know enough to be judge, jury, and executioner. We would be treading on hallowed ground, because who's got the only right to do that? God, God. We don't know the story behind the scenes. Only he can bring a just verdict and deal out the appropriate judgment. And again, I know it's hard. You want to avenge yourself now, but don't do it. Verse 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil 
with good. Verse 20 is a curious one, right? And I've heard a lot of explanations basically saying that when you're good to those who are evil to you, you embarrass them. You shame them. And I heard a better explanation from Skip Pisic. Okay? He's a Calvary Chapel teacher in, in, uh, San, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I liked listening to him. He said, basically, when you do that, you're actually doing something good. Because back in the day, starting a fire was a tough thing. It was hard. Matches weren't readily available. No one had a bic. Okay? So when you put hot coals on someone's head, that's how women used to carry around coals on their heads from house to house. They would put on a little pot, they'd put a rag underneath the pot for insulation, they'd put hot coals in there, and that would carry fire to the other homes. What we do, is that carrying fire to other hearts? Are we lightening them with Christ's love, or are we being the same as them? Right? And finally, in verse 21, it says, if you repay for evil, don't repay evil for evil. God has given us a strong weapon. It's called good. Evil has won you over. If you do repay evil for evil, evil has won you over to which side. You have gone over the dark side, which is a dangerous territory, guys. You don't want to be there. The great black American scientist, George Washington Carver, once said, I will never let another man ruin my life by making me hate him. As a believer, he would not allow evil to conquer him. He was using good to conquer evil. I got that. I didn't make it up. I got that out of the believer's commentary, guys. So in closing, guys, we are living in in trying times, right? It's tumultuous. Things are crazy. We're living in a time when good is being called evil, and evil is being called good. We can't afford for our love to grow cold. We can't. we got to stay the same, but better yet, increase in our love. Okay, guys? We need to preserve that which, is, which we consider to be fundamental and basic and which what Christ considers to be basic and fundamental. And these, you know, these fundamental steps that we just went over, they're going to give us a step up on the opposition, a step up on the, on the enemy. And we need to understand that a changed life in Christ cannot be denied. Jesus is our King and the Lord is our Savior. Amen? One last verse, guys. Um, we have a group of, of men that sent out this group text. I don't know how many guys are on there. There must be 16 or 17 guys. But the one that usually initiates this is, is, is a brother named Carlitos. Well, his name is Carlos. I call him Carlitos. Carlos Alvarez. And he sent this uh, text out last night, and I said, you know what, I'm going to use that for closing tomorrow. And this is what it says. It's out of 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12 from the New Living Translation. It says, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.